Welcome to the Weekly Checkout, where anything and everything is talked about so we don't have to pay for therapy. If you listened to the first episode, then you might have noticed a name change. This is no longer the Weekly Check-In, but instead, the Weekly Check-Out. You will notice the guys still refer to it as the old name, and that will happen until we catch up in real time. This second episode includes Vinny and Legif talking about a variety of things. Welcome to your weekly check-in episode two. Are we calling yes. it episodes now, or...? I mean, it can be episode, I guess. Um... Yeah, well, well, we'll figure out something about how we're going to label the the episodes, because, you know, The Descent Into had much better naming in that sense, because it was like, Descent Into, the topic. The weekly check-in is slightly harder. It's like, weekly check-in, week two? Cause I don't, yeah, I don't, week I, two. That yeah. works, I mean. Makes sense. So, how was your week? Uh, week was pretty good. Um, not much happening right now, to be honest, because it's the summer, which I guess it's kind of good. A couple bad things happened, but, you know, moving on you know so i mean a lot of people would say it's kind of shocking that summer is your like quiet time yeah i mean uh it's because i'm a student so most of the years when i'm doing the hard work the summer is work but not hard if that makes any sense it's just uh what is it like maybe idling phase of the car kind of situation the in-between phase yeah that is true it's like the filler episodes when you're watching anime that's me right now i'm in my (laughs) filler episode nice hopefully it's a good filler episode and not one just full of fan service i think it's one of those that um people just won't remember so they won't even think it's good or bad Yikes, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Like, I, I, I was low-key like, wow, this is a bit, uh, uh, you know, more on the negative side of the spectrum. But no, some, fine. some would say the best years of human existence is the one, the years that nothing really happened. I don't know who would say that, but okay. I mean, okay, if you had an eventful year, like, it usually is bad stuff. Like, it's very occasionally, like, good stuff will be, like, happening. But most of the time, it's bad. <laughs> I don't but know anyways. if that's... Ac- anyways. We don't want... Okay, you know what? You know, we don't want to be a dippy downer just on the, how the week is. <laughs> how have you been? So, uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Is, is that a good, uh, good indicator? It's more of, like... I would go with neutral because I had amazing times with uh, our trip that we did, did we did recently. Yeah, that was nice, actually. I forgot yeah. that was this week. Yeah. And uh, there were some good things, but overall, my biggest, like, the biggest thing that happened to me that was, like, in a negative sense was I was stuck in traffic for four hours. It made a three-hour trip turn into a seven-hour trip, which is excruciating because I was the driver and when you're the driver in a traffic jam you really can't do much you can't watch a show you can't read a book because you have to pay attention yeah so I was not thrilled about that but on the bright side uh the you know I had the trip with you guys that we went to that was fun we also didn't have traffic so we didn't have traffic during that we it rained and I was actually looking forward for the rain because I think in the last week, the last uh, check, 
the last podcast, basically, I said that it hasn't rained over where we are, and it rained. Now it definitely rained, because it rained again yesterday for quite a bit, so. Really? Over, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I felt like it was a sprinkle, but, you know, I lowered my expectations. I was like, you know what? I don't need a torrential rainfall. I will take for a sprinkle. It rained, like, quite a bit here yesterday. That's that whatever. Is, that's interesting. So, moving on to our next topic, which is our crippling addiction. So, what's a crippling addiction this uh, week? So, I have two things I want to talk about this week. Again, in the entertainment realm, as usual. Uh, I don't know how if I mentioned last time we did this, but um, there's this anime called Beastars on Netflix that I'm really into. And I watched all of season two, like, this past week. And uh, I have a lot of mixed feelings. Um, With the, ending? the ending was surprising. In general, I love this anime. Um, the basic premise of it is that there's a world where there's anthropomorphic animals, right? And uh, they live in harmony as much as they can, I guess. And there's a big like social division in between carnivores and herbivores for obvious reasons, right? Uh, but in the society, they live in peace. They don't just go out eating each other. Uh, but there are events that happen where people do get eaten. And the anime explores, like, you know, the... Just the psychological and, like, emotional relationship between these characters who are very different because they're different species of animals, right? Like, the our main characters who's a wolf and uh, a bunny. But also just all the, like, social and political stuff, you know? Uh, so I really like it. Um, but season two, the ending was uh, surprising and a little confusing. But I'm still down for it. Um, it's pretty good. So you basically kind of binge-watched the, sh- the season. Yeah, it's only 12 episodes. But I, I did watch it in, I think, three days. That, that's, um, that, that's four episodes yeah. a day. Each so. episode's 20 minutes, so it's not that bad. Now, I watched the first season. I haven't watched the second season. Uh, now, would your opinion of the sh- has your opinion of the show gone down or improved or stayed basically around the same ballpark after this uh, season? I think it stayed basically around the same ballpark. Um, some of the things that happened this season, I just had to think it over to understand the characters' motivations. Um, but like after thinking it over, I think it does make sense, and I see where the author's coming from. And yeah, it was just a little surprising, uh, but like not in a bad way. So, because when we had our, our our talks, you you strongly recommend it. So, do you still recommend the show now? Or yeah, is it for more... sure, for sure. Nice. So, yeah. clearly, watching anime, which is uh, you know an addiction yeah. for a lot of people, which honestly, good addiction. So, what's your <laughs> next one? Uh, well, I thought we could do back and forth if you want, since oh, I've been sure. talking for a little so, bit. So, my one is. Uh, my adorable Final Fantasy fourteen character. Nice, Final Fantasy. Join the club, yay. Yeah, so uh, I went from level 7 to level 13 in about one gaming session, basically, which was like two, three hours. So I basically sat down and just played the game. And here's the thing. I play a memo in a very different style, which has obviously brought up issues in our friend group on the way I, the way I play the MMO is because... Okay. I go to an area and I finish everything in that area, regardless of how many side quests there are or main quests it is, which causes me to be like, I think my main quest is still level 9, and I'm already level 13 on like, so I'm, because I'm doing everything in a specific area, I end up being over leveled and I'm not progressing the gear unlock stages, 
which I can see the, like it's that's not even the the issue. Mm-hmm. The issues that so I like two main issues. One, uh, you unlock like stuff in the game through the main quest. So it doesn't matter what level you are. If you don't do the main story, you're not gonna be able to do the stuff we want to do together, right? Uh, the other thing, uh, I would, I just wouldn't recommend doing all the side quests in an area like at once, because I don't know you, but I definitely want to level up the other uh, classes in the game, right? Like the other jobs, mm-hmm. and you need to do something for those as well. That's true. So yeah, I have to like change the way I'm playing, and and then you've you've managed to convince me to pay by basically saying you'll get uh you'll be get, getting uh, a mount at level. 14 15 so that allows travel it should be be, 20 yeah oh level 20 so yeah i have eight levels to go but that has been my current addiction because uh in our last podcast i mentioned that i play overwatch religiously and uh i've kind of you know we will talk about this we'll we'll talk about overwatch in our you know later upcoming uh, segments yeah in our upcoming that's the word i'm looking for for our next segment but uh, l- lately, I've only been having fun with Overwatch when I play with friends. I don't enjoy the game when I've been playing by myself. So it kind of has just have has tank in my game that I play the most. So yeah. So what is your second addiction of the week? So the second thing, um, I finished Star Trek: The Original Series and I started Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, uh, which is. It doesn't matter chronologically where it is, but I had already watched the show in between Star Trek, the original series, and Deep Space Nine. So I'm watching that right now, and I'm actually enjoying it, like, a lot. Um, especially because it's different. Um, the commander, who's, like, you know, usually the role of the captain in the show, is Commander Sisko, and he plays a very different, um, like, leadership character from the other ones I had already seen in the shows. Um, and it's also cool that it doesn't take place in a spaceship like the other TV shows. It takes place in a space station that's, like, in one place orbiting a planet. So you get a bunch of different characters that just come and go because, you know, they're using the space station for different reasons. But, yeah, I just wanted to say it's really nice. Uh, I'm still early in, but I can see why a lot of people consider it, like, some of the best Star Trek out there. Nice. I mean, it is, I can say it is definitely more iconic than the show itself because I'm not big into the Star Trek world and I'm aware of Deep Space Nine because of how well it was written and how much it made sense in that own, that universe of itself. <laughs> but yeah, no. I, I, again, I will get to Star Trek, but I currently have a long list of things I want to watch. I'm slowly getting through them. But this is the perfect transition to my, what I'm watching is uh, Dragon Maid, which is like my guilty, wholesome uh, anime that I watch, which I will admit it has some really weird topics, things that should, if I like take it away from the anime and just objectively look at it, it makes me uncomfortable. But the way the animation, well, the, uh, the way the animation and the story handles it, it's in a less creepy vibe, you know? And I'll take your I also, word for it. Yeah, and I also turn off my brain while watching it. It's just wholesome memes throughout. Like, I just... 
I just love that show because it's just something. It's that's what it is. It's a guilty pleasure that I am able to just ignore what's you know actions, consequences, and all of those things. And the studio that makes it is a pretty good studio. I think it's Kyoto Animations. The mm. the the animation is beautiful. I again, it's just a wholesome show for me, and I just watch it. So that's your weekly find slash recommendation. No, no, no. That's my addiction because I've been okay, watching this okay. for like a couple of years now. Season two just came out, and it is. This is why I say it's my guilty pleasure. It's the only anime in the last six years that I've actually followed on a weekly basis. It releases, I think, every Tuesdays, and I watch it on every Wednesdays or Tuesdays if I can. Which is like the bad, the, the most consistent I have been about an anime show, and I think the second most consistent right now is Rick and Morty with you guys. Yeah, but that's because I'm watching with you guys. So, yeah. on my, I usually very rarely on my own seek out weekly themed uh, things. But now let's move on to our next segment, which we still haven't named. So we'll call it. Well, uh, for now, I'm going to label it Segment X, because, you know, X is always something we, should, we are trying to find. <clears throat> Listen, okay. I tried, I tried, I tried. So, I actually have a question for you on this. Right? Okay, question. Let's go. It, it all started off, well, let me give you some backfill to where I, why I come to this question. So, it started off with okay. m- um, me looking up one of my childhood uh, novels, which was The Famous Five. Uh, have you ever read The Famous Five? Or are you aware of it? Uh, I, I think you told me about it once, but I haven't okay, read so, it. No. So Famous Five follows the story of four kids in the UK or the British Isles. Uh, four kids and one dog. I forgot their names, but I'll try my best. I know there's George, Annie, and Tommy. I could be wrong. But anyway, don't quote me on the names. I don't remember their names that well. But it's five kids. It's based in... I'll, like, the time period that it's based in is a little bit weird. But you can tell it's right after World War Two or towards the end of World War Two. It's... So, when I did my, you know, little bit of uh, reading again recently, I put down in my notes, it's set in nine, between 1940s and 1950s, so it's a pretty big gap like in the World War II time, uh, time period because yeah. it's, it's a time where kids had a lot of independence, you can go out and explore and all of those things, right? Yeah. So it recently had uh, an, a cartoon, not an anime, a cartoon, uh, made about it. It's called The Famous, F- the Famous Five instead of the... Uh, the word five it's the number five on the case so that's how they differentiate it and they've taken a lot of artistic liberty on the the cartoon they've changed some of the uh, I would call it the ethnicities of the characters which fair point it the changing the ethnicities of the character didn't bother me but the one line that bothered me is because inside my head when I was reading it as a child, I always imagined the dog as a golden retriever or a golden retriever mix. But in the cartoon, it was a, uh, it was a, the black and gold, the, no, the black and uh, white dog, the Bel- Belgium. Like a, 
Like a Dalmatian? Like what do you Not mean? a Dalmatian, but like, yeah, it was a different breed from what I expected. So that was definitely the biggest hit in my thing because I was like, oh, wow, this is not the same show. It's a different show. But when I was basically reliving a little bit of my childhood reading habits, I had un- 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 <clears throat> I unintentionally started reading about the author. Turns out the author has a little bit of controversial things said. So, and I started thinking about this because in the story, George is a, her, she's, it's actually a she, but she refuses to be called Georgina. She wears like, like she's basically a tomboy, tomboy, but she always also in the writing goes about this perception of like, I want you to treat me like a guy because I feel like a guy kind of thing. That was the entire vibe that I felt while reading this book. But the author comes out saying like, no, 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 this has nothing to do like, because, you know, nowadays with uh, the the LGBTQ things being more and more uh, well known, you're like, oh, maybe George had like, you know, some sort of uh, gender. I forgot the name for it, but it's something gender related, right? But the author okay. came, comes out to being like, no, this is your, 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 your reading into this too deeply. It's not what it is. But for me personally, it felt that way. Even as a child, I always felt like George was just a girl who was a he. Like it was kind of that kind of vibe. So I ask you this question. Do characters belong to the reader or the author? Because in this situation, we have my understanding of what George uh, is and the author's intention of what George is. And they are not the same thing. Because I view George as someone who is biologically female. However, uh, in every other sense, identify as a guy. Whereas the author is clearly like, nope, it's a girl through through and through. Okay, I, I see. Um... Well, first of all, I think there's always some room for interpretation, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, sometimes the author writes with the intention of uh, conveying a certain message, but the readers themselves are able to interpret it in a like a different way, right? Um, some interpretations are more valid than others, but from what you're telling me, it seems like they're both plausible, even if the author wanted it to be read as one way. And I think... Like, I think both interpretations are fine. Um, So, like, what was your question exactly? Do the characters, once an author really publishes a book or a story, do the characters and the story belong to the readers or the author? Belong in, like, what way do you mean? Like, who's to say what's canon or not? Well, not to say who's to say is what's canon or not. To say who, like... We're not talking about changing, like, the story, like, the canon of the story. We're talking about how the characters felt in a particular situation. Because that's the part where it's always left up to interpretation, right? It's like, because you, when you're reading a book, you also uh, unintentionally input your sense of values and... I mean, it's not even unintentionally, right? Yeah. It's like part of the fun of it is... um interpreting what's being said and like i said i think there is room for both interpretations and there isn't just like one way that's correct and then the other person is wrong 
uh, especially since it seems like this was written in a way that's ambiguous. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. So I agree with you with that. But like, the char- like, do authors have a right to retroactively make adjustments to their stories? And like, I'm kind of thinking about that term, that that situation as well. Because the best example I have is uh, Harry Potter, right? Where okay. J.K. Rowling is retroactively changing things about her characters. So I feel like they can retroactively try to change things, but once the work, the original work itself is done, uh, people can just read that and take away from it what they like interpret. So I feel like they can, if they want, just ignore what J.K. Rowling is saying about the characters as well. That's that's inter- that is very interesting because I am of the mindset that if I if I were to write a book and about a character and everything, once I publish that book, I no longer like, I no longer own the character, because the at that, that point the character becomes. Uh, I becomes. I, huh? I just think like you're using a kind of loose definition of ownership. That yes. and that's where the the, the issue is. Well, obviously, I'm not talking about... Well, let's separate, like, monetary sense. The character, the author owns the character in, mo- in monetary sense. I'm, I'm totally for that. I'm not saying... No, no, no. I, yeah, yeah. So, Just what, what kind of ownership do you mean? As in, like, to decide what's canon, like I asked before. So, hmm. Personally, I think that it's... Yeah. Even... Mm, Okay, I'm confused with your question. I'm just trying to understand your question. Like, what what do you mean by ownership? Well, let's try uh, to nail that. Okay, what do I mean by does who who owns a character? Uh, who owns the concept, right? That's what I'm trying to say. It's like concept is also uh pretty vague. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm trying, I'm trying to like nail it down. So, you know, uh, the way I can see it, it's it's who owns the 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 characteristic of this particular character. For example, the body type, the land, the it's it's hard. It's hard for me to like to to explain what I mean by ownership here. Um. Would it help if we try to compare it to other types of, uh, like, ownership? Li- like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was thinking more like in in terms of like art or music. Okay, so, okay, the way the way I can see it is, I mean, I don't think it's a hundred percent like one to one comparison, but if an author sings about something sad, and the listener takes that sadness to something completely different that the author didn't intend to. The musician, the musician didn't intend to. At that point, like I would still say, you the music that you've published belongs to society. At this point, society can take that and try to, like, as long as it sticks within the you know the the story canon of like. Again, I'm going between music and um, books, but <laughs> in a book yeah. specific theme, right? As long as it doesn't change, like, for example, if I took Sherlock Holmes, right? There are a key sets of uh, 
like character dis distinctions that makes a character Sherlock Holmes, you know. And uh, one okay. of the okay, so I think I'm getting it now. Is the issue that in this book the interpretation of the people goes like makes the character be someone that the author doesn't think the character is is yes. that the issue yes it's like at the point where you would be able to consider them different characters going by what you're measuring yes yes okay. so yeah going to like actually if my Sherlock Holmes example would be the best one I thought about it's you know how there are so many different variations of all of Sherlock Holmes but they all are Sherlock Holmes because they have some key features that make them Sherlock Holmes. If I were to write a character exactly the same way, but then I say he goes and kills people randomly on the street, that would not be Sherlock Holmes. Because, you know, that's yes. a gross change. So... Um, uh -huh. yeah, no, so, you keep going. <laughs> what? <laughs> you should, you, You're just... Um, I feel like... This can be a much deeper discussion than you intended. That's why I'm laughing. Yeah, I think because it... we can we can like literally go all the way back to like the the Asian Greeks and be like, hmm, I have a knife. What makes it a knife? If I take <laughs> away the blade, is it a knife? If I take away the handle, is it a knife? Do I have to cut things with it for it to be a knife? Is an X a knife if I cut meat with it? Yeah, uh, you get what yes. I mean. So yeah, it, it gets overly complicated at that point. That's why I tried to like keep the question simple so we could answer it in a simplistic way, which I understand by definition by making something simple, you take away what makes it special and complicated, you know? So... Is your question still the question you intended or not given you simplified? <laughs> I'm joking. That's true. But like at the end of the day, is do you, do you, have, a, do you have a rough idea of what I'm trying to ask right now? I do. I just think that, like, the author and the public both have um, the right to, like, claim that the character they read is this. Because, like you said, it seemed like it could be hinted in the writing that that's how the character is. Okay. So, Vinny, as usual, takes a very pragmatic approach where he doesn't answer yes or no. <laughs> he oh, my God. <laughs> true you had the most pragmatic response here because i was gonna say the characters belong at the end of the day to society and the reader you know how if i wrote a book and the reader I, again if we could once again define belonging in a certain way <laughs> then maybe i would agree no we need I, to move on we need I, to move i do on think that the, like works in general have a life of their own where they can grow and become things that the author didn't intend and I feel like the author can also try to retroactively do things to the work because it was them that originally came up with it. But if people don't accept it, that's also fine. That's all yeah. I want. See, very pragmatic response, people. Oh, anyway. my God. <laughs> it's a good response. Uh, you know, I'll just I'll say the question because we've been on this for quite a bit. So the question was, do character belongs to the reader or the author? You heard Vinny's response. It's a very eloquent politician politician-like response mine is you're, you're painting me in a bad light here for no reason <laughs> my response is they belong to the reader so uh yeah okay no. why do you think they don't belong whatever that means to the author 
<laughs> no, we're done with this conversation. Okay. We have to okay. move it on. But if you, the listener, have any objections to this, do reach out to us on Twitter and Gmail and do we have a Facebook? We have an Instagram. We have an Instagram, so I don't know if we have a Facebook and we'll have a website up maybe in a week or two, so that's on to do situation. But that was my my part of section X or whatever you're calling this uh, this part of the podcast. Do you have anything? Is section talk about? X just the section that was surprised Vinny? Because that's what it seemed like. <laughs> I, uh, it worked. So, do you have anything you wanna? For section X, I did not have a section X planned because uh, we have yet to find the X. But that, that is true. Um, I mean, I, I did like... think that was that was an uh, interesting discussion. We can do stuff like this. Like, yes for other episodes and so yeah this was the thing that was in the back of my mind for a week now okay but before we move on to our weekly find this is a segment that's only a one-time showing conspiracy theories conspiracy which, time i know right so uh as everyone is aware we've been living in an interesting time since 2020 with a pandemic happening and uh, the global situation with global supply chains and everything being disruptive and now it seems as the data from recording this things are getting better with vaccination rates and we're, re- we're going back to a quote-unquote normal pre-pandemic lifestyle so one of the key things about this pre pre-pandemic lifestyle is people used to work nine to five at an office job and a lot of the COVID crisis has shown that a lot of jobs could just be done from remote areas or from your house. So, you know, you don't need an office space, right? So this, and now that we're going back to the new normal companies and, uh, office buildings are basically forcing people back into offices and back to bigger cities Uh, back to the big cities like new york boston they're like oh you have to come back you need to be at the office and all of those things so this is my conspiracy theory that they realize they know that their work employees are more efficient or you know they're more efficient the employees save more time they don't spend gas they uh like you know they don't lose time and commute to work and all of those things even though like they can fully do their jobs at their house companies still want people to go to the office spaces and the reason why they want to do this is because uh the population of all all these metro cities especially in the united states has gone down during the 2000 and uh, during the pandemic because people were like well why am i here i could just go live you know in suburbia or rural areas as long as I have internet connection I'll be fine and my thing is if you've all been to a city you know that rent prices are insanely expensive so the conspiracy theory I have is that companies are forcing their employees back into cities because they don't want their the buildings that they spend millions of dollars building be worth nothing because if you have no one going to a building and you have a lot of free real estate, it's basically pointless and valueless if people if there's no demand for that space. What are your thoughts on that? 
I'm trying to have any thoughts on that right now. And you're like, I'm not, I'm not interested at all with this. Anyway, this was my, <laughs> my, my little conspiracy theory that I thought about over the week. I was like, companies are basically forcing people back into cities and everything so they can keep the value of their real estate high. Because that counts when companies do their valuation of how much they're worth. Um, is it a broader conspiracy that's going to harm people uh, everywhere around? No, I don't think so. I think something like, you know, fun and fun thing is about. Yeah, I feel like maybe that's a small factor. I just wouldn't say it's the whole factor. Yeah, it's a, like, it, yeah, if if people want me to bring like ludicrous conspiracy theories every two weeks, harm harmless ones, because I don't want to promote conspiracy theories that will make you start questioning science or the scientific liter- yeah. literature and stuff like that. So, harmless. I, I miss when we had good conspiracy theories. Like you know, I love myself some Bigfoot stories. You know. Yeah, I mean? like things like that. I will. I will, I'm more than willing to bring stories like that, as long as you realize that the world is definitely, definitely not flat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so anyway, we can move on to the next uh, segment, which is the weekly find, and I'll let you take over because I've been talking quite a you bit. You have been talking for. So, uh, weekly find, just some new things that we found this week that I would want to recommend or, you know, give a shout out to. First, first of all, I randomly on YouTube ran into um, a podcast series, podcast, but it's on YouTube and there's a video. It's more like a lecture um, from, uh, and it's a, like philosophy of science lectures. From wait, wait, wait. Speaking of uh, podcasts on YouTube, do follow us at the Check In Weekly YouTube channel. Thank you. Okay. I had to uh, plug us. No, that was, that was a plug. That was a plug. <laughs> I like that. And it's like a lecture series with guest speakers from all over the world. And it's done by um, Oxford. So it's really, really like high level, really nice stuff. Uh, and they were talking about different aspects of philosophy of science, mainly related to physics. So I found that was really interesting. Just wanted to give a shout out. Like one of the, t- the topics was... Um, a professor from Harvard went there and they were talking about like in quantum mechanics, you use Hilbert spaces and why from a philosophical perspective, we shouldn't believe in Hilbert spaces as the basis for like reality. Um, so that was interesting. Um, okay. Some of the to... other stuff is not as high, high level, but I just okay. wanted to give I a hate, shout out. I hate to interject, but what is the Hilbert spaces? So... <clears throat> I'll try to simplify this as much as I can without going into detail. So you know how like in algebra class or calculus class, you use the what's called the Cartesian plane, the X and Y axis planes? Yep. So that's, that's like a vector space, right? Where you can have um, vectors living in any series of points or points in that space. So a Hilbert space is a vector space used for quantum mechanics. Um, and there's like a certain um, rules that it follows, basically, that makes it a special space, um, which I won't go into detail. But it's basically like it's like the Cartesian space, but it's special in certain ways. Like, for example, it's um, well, I, I won't get into it. It will get like too high level, but it's very interesting. That's all. So basically, it's a new way of looking at things. Instead of looking at it with an X and Y axis, you look at it in a different 
Pers- yeah, it's it's the way you have to look into it in order to be able to um, codify and like solve uh, quantum mechanics problems. Interesting. So yeah, so it works very well with quantum mechanics. And um, some people b- take the philosophical standpoint that the underlying reality has this space as like it's whatever you mean by real, right? Um, where this dude is making an argument that um, the Hilbert space is more of an emergent thing. It's not the like basis of reality, but the basis of reality creates an emergent Hilbert space for quantum mechanics when we're doing stuff. That's a very like simplified basic saying of what they do, but it's really nice. That's kind of um, cool. So yeah, what else? Yeah, I can send it to you later. The other thing, the easier shout out to talk about, I've been reading a manga called Message to, Message to Adolf by uh, Osamu Tezuka. And Osamu Tezuka, for those of you that don't know, um, he has the accolade and is known as like the god of manga. Because he was um, like the first one to create modern manga, um, and it started like a long time ago, um, in the thirties, I think, in forties, and he created Astro Boy. I think that's what's uh, he's known for more in the West. But he created a bunch of different manga, and these kind of became um, blueprints that people built on for like all the different genres later. And this story, A Message to Adolf, uh, starts in 1936 in Germany. Uh, and it goes all the way to after World War II. And it's very interesting because we look at um, the life of three different Adolfs. Uh, a Jewish Adolf, a German Adolf, and uh, the the you know leader of the Nazi party during World War II. And... The way the story is told, all their lives intersect. They intersect in ways that like you wouldn't think about, and it's very interesting. Uh, and it's pretty mature. It's more like a like a political drama kind of show. You know, there's like espionage and all these sorts of things. So I'm really enjoying it, and I would definitely recommend, especially for those interested in like historical fiction. It's really nice, or just interested in seeing from the perspective of someone that did live in that era how Japan was, you know, during World War II. So that's my recommendation. That's interesting. Also, the fact that they're all three named Adolf. Yeah, that's part of the fun because their life connects in different ways. I mean, I'm pretty sure, like, he wrote in a way that, like, their lives are, yeah, affected by each other without them meeting, I'm assuming. Uh, I mean, they meet at some points, but it's not like... In the way that you think. But, yeah. yeah. Again, I haven't read it. I do plan to borrow the book from Vinny when he's done. So, my weekly find is actually something that's uh, a bit more recent. It's it's literally a Linus Tech Tip video that got released, I think, two days ago. Oh, shit. I shouldn't have mentioned this because now people will know when we're recording this. Oh, I mean, well. That's all right. If you want, you can do a deep cut, you know. Yeah, you know, you know what? It's okay. I'll let's leave this in. I mean, you know, they'll find it. It's 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 whatever. So there's this company called Frameworks that has released a laptop that's basically conf- configurable, and the way it goes about it is making sure that the company, the laptop, is upgradable from 
Basically, it's a modular laptop because you can take pieces out when they break and just put them back in and all. They're all standard parts and they're easy to manage and everything. I, I'm just excited for what this means in the laptop space because it is as small as a Dell laptop. But it, the only difference is I can swap the pieces that I want. I can have all my ports be like a USB Type 3 or I can have it be HDMI and things like this. And... The key thing that I think where this is really, really good is it shows a message that the company is saying, oh, the reason why we glued the, your computer or use propriety hardware is because it's impossible to make a laptop that looks clean and sleek and have use standard parts, which the framework laptop looks nice, looks decent, it has the good specs, and it is all standard parts that you can easily replace. And I love this concept because I'm also slowly, slowly becoming an environmental ad ad advocate. And I think that one of the biggest e-waste that we create is that if a laptop these days break, you have no choice but to just get a new one. You can't like, if my, la if my laptop battery is dead, for me to swap my laptop battery could cost the price of a new laptop. I have... Uh, a MacBook Air that has only one thing wrong with it. It's uh, SSD is corrupt. And for me to replace my SSD, it's $650, which is, guess what, the price of a new laptop. So I'm super excited for this because I think that this will, at the very least, tackle one of the key situations that we have with a lot of e-waste, unnecessary e-waste, because people... Upgrade, just throw away their products instead of trying to repair and reuse. So I'm excited for what it means for the future. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's really nice. I definitely think a modular approach would be nice. Um, and also just letting consumers do more, right? Yeah, it's just... Um, and in terms of like some products being made in a way so that it's more worth it to buy a new product instead of trying to replace the part, you know, uh, you might want to look into, it's called planned obsolescence, um, where it's basically, this is the concept where like it's... some companies make products so that they won't last as long so that they can make. Like, because they, they're yeah. guaranteed a return customer. Like if I need to sell a product every two years, I need to make sure that I, there is a customer base to buy this product. And yeah, the, and it's what? not like usually in the way that most people see it. Oh, planned obsolescence, so they're gonna make a phone that lasts a year and just you know breaks once 365 days are up. No, or like even if you look at like cars, you know, because every year they make new cars, um, and a lot of times it's not like we need new cars, you get what I mean? And a lot of the cars that are like the previous year or two years ago you don't find them in the dealership anymore they just become unavailable um stuff and, like that yeah i mean cars is the car industry is an interesting industry to see how because of the you know we're kind of in in a weird way moving towards a singularity of between the car industry and the tech industry because of tesla there's they're getting more and more like what are you are you a car company or a tech company like tesla says they're a tech company but they sell cars is that a side hobby but anyway that's a that's another topic and we should probably move on to our next segment which is the worldly tour and unfortunately for us we forgot to assign a region for each other on our last episode 
So let's just add in this episode. Yes. Let's not forget. Yeah, so let's knock this right off the bat. So let's pick our regions for each other first and then move on to the news. So do you want to take a go at it? You can start. I'm thinking about it. So I want to send you to the interesting world. So at first I was going to send you to Down Under because I felt like I could make some easy jokes about it. But then I was like, let me expand that a little bit because, you know, you don't want to start... You don't want to start grade once you back. Yeah, you know, you don't want to start so specific. So I was like, I'll send you to Oceania. So you know, a little bit more countries, but mostly it's still Australia. Okay. Way way to just uh, make everyone that's from that region of the world and not Australia stop listening to the podcast. Great. Hey, I complimented them. They have great accents. And then you're like, but at the end of the day, it's just Australia, you know. Well. Uh, you know, it's okay. It's okay. How many times uh, has ne- <laughs> another New Zealand's been left? I was gonna say Netherlands, but I was like, New Zealand's <laughs> been left out of map. You know, it's not my like. If cartographers forget about the country, can you really blame me? Yes, we can still blame you. Um, <laughs> let's see. I I think I will send you to a region of the world that usually has a lot of interesting, uh, like cultural news oh western africa oh dude i have news for western africa already okay yeah but chill please <laughs> yeah no i'm not i'm not gonna be talking about uh, western africa this week so do you want to go first because i have i'm gonna be talking about china actually this week you can start with china okay so interesting news about china they finally abolished the well, they've been steadily abolishing their, uh, you know, one-child policy. They've moved from in 2016 to two-child policy, and in 2021 they're moving to a three-child policy. Now, one of the reasons why they're doing this is because, uh, again, I read from I will state my sources because it's important to double check the Economist that China is needs to replace its aging population. Uh, I do. I forgot to look up the average age. That's my my apologies, but uh, the fertility rate of China is currently at a one point four. But China needs a fertility rate of two point one to be able to sustain its aging population and make sure that you know uh, they have enough young people to make to make sure the country still runs when the older people uh, their time comes. So this is an interesting change. And uh, it's an interesting change for the Chinese government, which was for the longest time on like, you need a one child and now you you can only have one child and a lot of things and problems with that rule was created. And now that they're they're moving away from that statement to like, oh, you're allowed to have three childs now, three children. And it's, it's, will the company be, uh, will the company, will the country be successful in doing a 180 on its policy that has ruled it for like almost 30 years now. I don't, I forget. It's been a while since I did one child policy rules. So, uh, especially with the newer generation having less time for, you know, having the less time to make a family because China and Asian countries are very famous for the process called 996, which means you work 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., six days a week, every year, every day. Well, every. I cannot. English. I believe the word you're looking for is week. 
Yes, every week. I was like, I cannot English that. <laughs> I tried so hard. I was so close. But, uh, again, this is a foresight where the country is thinking about its future, which is good because you don't want a country to not think about its future at all. But it's also most experts have a very grim look of it because you can't just do a 180. If you've been telling people for about 20 years that they can't have kids and with the growing globalization pressures and social pressures in China, it seems really hard for them to just uh, pivot. And one of the interesting things is uh, in the past, there was a huge preferences on having a young boy over a girl. And the Chinese government seems to be pushing, you want to have two girls and one boy now. So it's a big cultural change that the government has to tackle. But that was my weekly find. But I also have good news. Well, not good news. More like an interesting fact about China. Uh, China is also considered one of the oldest continuous civilization in the world. Going all the way back to the Yellow Valley civilization. It is something that they pride themselves into. And China is extremely rich in history. And I don't have enough time to talk about its complicated history. But... It's a fun fact. No. It's a very culturally history. Don't rich don't worry about it, cause uh, my high school history teacher also did not have enough time to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, you know, I'll take it as a compliment that I'm on the same. Like I, I covered it as much as in depth as a high school teacher, which says a lot. But hey. Well, are you gonna quiz me on the name of all the dynasties without ever going in depth into <laughs> what they actually meant for the country or for the world? Yeah. yeah. Um, oh well. Okay. So after that burn, <laughs> I feel like it was mostly for towards the, the U.S. educational system. It was towards my teacher. Yeah. Um, you know, my I'd... news. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, my news is pretty positive. Uh, it happened now some time ago, but. The Olympics is going on, so we're going to Tokyo for the news. And um, for the first time ever, skateboarding is part of the Olympics. That is, is cool. amazing. I okay. Do you actually know what uh, what it what a sports has to do to become uh, official in the Olympics? Because I don't. I know. have no idea. Okay, because I find it literally. Uh, elitist that there's a bunch of people who decide yeah your sport is not valid enough for you know worldwide competition it's a bit pompous oh i don't know okay the thing is um in this competition uh a really cool thing happened a nice moment and i'm very happy about it um because i'm from the same country as this person i'm talking about a 13 year old um skateboarder uh a girl Haisa Leao is her name, uh, won a silver medal at 13 years of age. Like, that's insane, right? And it's nice because this will go down in the record book because it's the first skateboarding Olympics ever. But at the same time, she's like the youngest person to get an Olympic medal. Um, so that was really cool. And she just looks so happy. And, you know, she's just vibing when she's skating. So it was nice to see someone doing what they like and actually accomplishing like such a great achievement you know so yeah i just wanted to bring that some positive news um we'll probably bring some more olympic news in the following weeks since the olympics will go on for at least for a bit more and yeah nice do you have any interesting facts about japan 
No, I just wanted to talk about the Olympics. I mean, there's well, a lot of interesting facts about Japan. Just, that's true. Yeah. But yeah, no. So, I mean, I'm incredibly happy because I saw pictures of the people who, who've won the Olympics. And it's like, there's something sad. It's like, I feel happy seeing how happy they are. Oh, interesting. There was a guy, um, a swimmer from Hungary that won a, a, a couple of days ago. And it was really weird because, like, in his face, he, he, he did not smile. He did not, like, he was just, hmm, okay. And I was like, you know, what? And apparently, uh, after he gave his interview, he said that um, when he was getting ready to, like, go for the swimming for the finals, his, um, like, swimming clothes ripped. So he had to, like, last minute get changed. His whole concentration got thrown off. And his objective was to beat the Olympic record. Uh, I mean, the world record, actually, not the Olympic record. And so he won first place, got the Olympic record, but it's still kind of sad because this goal was doing the world record, which is kind of uh, funny. I yeah. mean, dude, the drive that some of them have, it's amazing. And, like, you know, I, I will say this up front. I'm not following the Olympics as closely as I used to follow it. I just... But I still see pictures of these athletes doing their hardest to win. And you just, I don't know, sense of compart like, I don't know. I feel happy for humanity. That's how I feel. Nice. Nice. So this is the last segment of, uh... oh, sorry. I accidentally muted myself. This is the last segment of our podcast. Do you have anything you want to add on to? Um. I actually don't have anything I can think of right now. Oh, perfect. So, I will leave this with a with. Uh, I mean, I wrote this down on my notes. I don't know where to fit it, fit it in, but the uh, the rat race, billionaires to space. Who's gonna? The, I wrote that in my oh note. My God. I don't know where to put it in. I just felt like I have to mention it. Maybe we can talk about it in our episode uh, next week. But. Thank you for listening to this week's uh, weekly check-in with your host Lijith and Vinny. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at the Weekly Check-in Two. You can email us email us at the Weekly Check-in Twenty Two at gmail.com. and we have our YouTube channel, which will be down in the, uh, in the description of the podcast episode. And thank you so much for listening. Yes, thank you. Thanks for listening to the weekly checkout with Legith and Vinny. Remember, we are no longer checking in, but instead checking out of reality. See you next week.